Hey there, I'm Julie, and this is the Married to Addiction podcast. If you're here, then you're probably what I call my secret sister. We're in a situation we never asked to be in and fighting a battle we never wanted to fight. We're faith-filled women who are married to an alcoholic, and it affects every inch of our lives. If that sounds like you, then this is a safe place for you to land. Married to Addiction is a faith-based podcast where I help you find the tools and strength you need to navigate your husband's addiction without losing yourself in the process. So please subscribe and tune in as often as you can, because your husband's recovery is important, but so is yours. Hey, I just wanted to read you a couple of things before we get started with today's episode. And this is not in any way, shape, or form meant to be bragging, but I just want to share this with you because I really think that it could give you some hope. These are a couple of the testimonials from members who are in my membership for Wives of Alcoholics called the Secret Sister Circle. The first says, I am so glad God called you into this ministry because I know it's what helped me and ultimately helped my husband. I'm in such a better place now than last year when I joined. This one says, even though things don't look good at the moment, I now know that I will not only survive, but I will thrive. This is the first time I have felt hope about life in general. I was scared, but now I have lots of growing with the assignments you have created to help other people on their walk. I will be forever blessed that you listen to the call of God. And this last one says, I'm so glad the Lord sent me this group to take this journey with. Julie, your ministry is such a God-giving gift to us. His hands are all over it. Again, thanks for all the hard work you put in to make sure we're okay. So I want you to know that I created this membership for you because I thought back to what I needed when I was going through this myself, when my husband was deep in addiction. What did I need? What did I look for and couldn't find? That's what's in this membership. So I hope that you will take a minute to check it out at some point today. If you haven't already, you can find it on my website, marriedtoaddiction.com. Just look for the Get Help drop down, and you'll see Secret Sisters membership right there. I would love to have you join us there. Hello, and welcome to episode 34 of the Married to Addiction podcast. This episode is kind of a follow-up to an episode that I did really early on. So episode four was called Five Critical Mindset Shifts for the Wife of an Alcoholic. And that has been my most listened to slash downloaded episode of all time. So clearly, that's something that resonated with a lot of you and something that a lot of people felt like they needed. So I decided that today, since we have a whole lot of episodes between four and this one, that this would probably be something that would be good to revisit because there is there are also some additional mindset shifts that I feel are really important that were not mentioned in that episode. So we're going to go through a few of those today. So the first one, we're just going to go ahead and dive right in here. The first one is... When you think to yourself, I'm helping him. I'm helping him by um, bailing him out when he gets arrested for drunk driving. I'm helping him by paying the legal fees. I'm helping him by calling into work because he can't make it to work because he's so hungover he can't move. I don't want him to lose his job. I'm helping him. Uh, I'm helping him by picking up the pieces in A, B, and C situation, I'm helping. It truly feels like you are. I was in that spot for way too long. But the truth of the matter is, no, you're not. You're not helping. What you're actually doing is enabling 
And I know that feels really backwards because when somebody is hurting and somebody is going through some hard things, you want to help. And it feels like you are, but you're not. And I remember when my husband was deep in addiction, I would go through the gamut of emotions from having sympathy and feeling bad and helping for that reason, um, being mad, but thinking, well, I have to help because he's gotten in this situation and mumbling and grumbling through the whole thing, but helping anyway, or sometimes a combination of the two. Sometimes I'd start off mad and then, you know, start feeling bad for him or vice versa. I'd start feeling bad and then be like, no, this is ridiculous, blah, 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 you know, and just go off on a tangent in my head and sometimes out loud, um, but still go help, quote unquote, go enable, basically. So what happens when we do this is we feel like we're helping and we feel like that's what we're, we need to do in those situations. But because what we're actually doing is enabling, it's keeping us both stuck. It's keeping him stuck in his addiction because he is now being made more comfortable because you are coming behind him and removing consequences that may have ended up leading to his recovery. For example, if you bail him out of jail and he doesn't have to worry about, you know, or he doesn't have to sit there for a while or worry about how to figure that out on his own. It's not that uncomfortable, right? He sits there for a few hours, somebody drives up and takes him away. That's it. Um, you know, maybe he has to, and you pay his court, court costs and maybe he has to go to a couple of classes, but he's like, mm, not so bad. But if you don't do those things, then it's a bigger deal for him, right? Then it's a lot harder. Then it's a lot more uncomfortable. And those types of scenarios are exactly what can lead to someone seeking recovery ultimately. So when you stop, quote, helping slash enabling, you are not, you are no longer removing those natural consequences. That's truly helping, even though it doesn't feel like it. When you are enabling, you are keeping yourself stuck as well. Because if he is comfortable in his addiction and remains in his addiction because it's he's comfortable, you are also staying in the spot that you're in. And I know your spot is real uncomfortable because I lived there for years. And so enabling slash helping, in quotes, you can't see my air quotes, but that's keeping you stuck too because he's stuck in his addiction, which keeps you stuck in his addiction as well, or at least feeling the consequences of that, which is awful. So the first one is you must shift your mindset away from thinking that the things that you're doing is helping. I did a, an, a podcast episode about this. Um, I don't remember the episode number, but it was something about how codependency hurts your husband and you. Go find that. You need to listen to that if you're if this is resonating with you. <clears throat> Excuse me. The second critical mindset shift for the wife of an alcoholic that we're going to talk about today is my happiness depends on my husband getting sober. Basically, you're thinking to yourself, my life is over until he gets sober. I can't be happy. I can't move forward. I can might as well just forget about all my hopes and dreams because those are out the window because, you know, nothing Nothing can be happy again. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's no moving forward until he gets sober. And my entire life hinges and my entire happiness hinges on that, on this other person doing something. Because you want him to stop. You want him to stop drinking. You want him to stop lying. You want him to stop, you know, insert whatever other alcoholic behavior. You want him to stop 
Of course you do. It's hard to live with somebody who's doing those things. But here's the thing. He isn't stopping. He might eventually in the future, but right now he isn't. And you can't control that. As hard as that is, you can't control that. So basically you can choose one of two things. Excuse me. You can either choose to remain in that intensely frustrated place indefinitely because who knows how long it's going to take him to get sober or if he will. I mean, that's just the cold, hard truth sometimes. I don't even know if my husband's going to stay sober. He's been sober five years. Does that mean that it'll last forever? I don't know. And guess what? I can't control that. But what I can decide is that even if he was drinking again, I could focus on working on the things that I can control because I do have control over what I do. I don't have control over what he does. So things like working on your mindset in general, um, renewing your mind, taking your thoughts captive, those things are biblical. Those things are critical if you are the wife of an alcoholic. In In fact, when you come into my membership, The Secret Sister Circle, that is the very first thing that we work on because it affects everything else. Every single thing starts with a thought, which translates into an emotion or creates an emotion, which translates into an action or a reaction. So if you can catch it while it's in that thought place, and this goes for things like worry, anxiety, um, you know, all the things that fear, all the things that your husband's doing, it's all of that stuff. It's how you're thinking about yourself and your situation just everything. It just affects absolutely every single thing. It's so, so important. But that is one of the things that you can control. And it does start to have a ripple effect in your life. It's like magic. Of course, it's from the Lord. So we shouldn't be surprised that it's so powerful, but it truly, truly is. And when you harness the power of doing that, it just changes everything. I'm telling you. You have control over learning how to detach. And I did a podcast episode about that, the difference between um, detaching and emotional abandonment. A lot of times women think, well, detaching doesn't seem very kind right now or very loving. He needs me. Well, go listen to that that episode. We talk a lot about that. You can work on boundaries, which I just did a boundaries workshop a couple weeks ago or last week, I guess it was. And there was a lot of women who went through that workshop that were really surprised at the things that I told them about boundaries because a lot of people don't really understand how to create healthy boundaries and how to put them into place in a pla- in a way that they're effective. So boundaries, being able to understand them and put them into place when they are healthy boundaries can change everything for you. And that's something that you can control. That's also something that we work on really, really early in the Secret Sister Circle because it's very, very important for our well-being for our well-being and our happiness, which is what we're talking about right now. You can control your spiritual growth, uh, pursuing a relationship with the Lord, learning how to lean into him and lean on him and let him take some of this burden from you. You can control that. So there are things that you can do that can increase your happiness, increase your peace, increase your level of just feeling calm and you know, empowered because now you know what to do instead of just sitting there and feeling like you're just waiting to be, you're just waiting for the next shoe to drop, you know, there are things that you can do, the things that you can control, regardless of what your husband is doing. 
that can increase your happiness. I promise. The third one is he's choosing alcohol over me. Boy, that is one that I hear all the time. That is a very common mindset that a wife of an alcoholic has. It is also a very incorrect mindset. So I want you to go back and listen. Um, The Myth of Choice was the name of the episode. I don't know the number, but it's called The Myth of Choice. Please go back and listen to that. Oh, I actually wrote it down here. It's episode eight. I was way ahead of myself. Um, Learning more about addiction changed everything for me. And that's another thing we talk about in the Secret Sister Circle because it is a game changer. I remember when I went to Family Week and my husband and my husband's treatment center. It was uh, one of the weeks that he was there. They invited us all there, and it was kind of far away from my house. So I went and I stayed in a hotel in the local area. And we got up every day, Monday through Friday, and like we were going to school, we went to the treatment center and we sat in the classrooms that they had had the uh, the addicts in. And we learned the things that they had been teaching them about themselves, about the uh, the physical part of addiction, about the physiological part of addiction, you know, how how it worked, what it's like for them. It was just so I, I just remember sitting there half the time. I felt like my mouth was like literally visibly hanging open because I didn't know. I didn't know a lot of it. And I had a lot of misconceptions. So go back and listen to episode number eight and then do what you can to learn some more about addiction and alcoholism specifically. Uh, We do, like I said, go over that in the membership pretty extensively because it's super important as well. However, I also tell my members, and I will tell you this too, learning more about addiction and understanding what our husband is going through is important, but it does not create excuses. They're still responsible for their behaviors. You still need boundaries. You still need all the things that I just was talking about. But understanding is important because it can change things for us and the way that we view things. So number four, this one breaks my heart because I know that a lot of women who are going through this feel this way. And I did too. And I'm going to try to make it through this without crying. But y'all know, I've already cried on this podcast twice when I haven't planned to. Number four, a mindset that we really need to get away from where the wife of an alcoholic is God has abandoned me. He's just, he doesn't care. He's gone. He's not showing up. I don't understand. Maybe he's punishing me. Maybe I did something bad or I know I did something bad and maybe this is, this is what I get. Um, he's just gone. And I, I don't get it. For me, it was also, for a while, maybe he's not even real. Maybe he's not even real. Because I've been a Christian since I was nine years old. And I don't understand why he would do this to me. Why would he do this? Why would he let this happen to me? Why would he let this happen to my family? Why would he let this happen to my husband? Can he see how hard this is? Can he see that we're falling apart? I remember a day. And I think I've talked about it in an earlier episode, but I just was at the end of my rope. I had nothing left, nothing. I had been walking around covered in stress-induced hives for months. They came on multiple times a day. It was absolutely miserable. 
I was very close to a breakdown because I had been living under such an immense amount of stress. I had tried everything I knew to try. I had done everything I knew to do. My husband had tried to take his life twice. I thought he was going to die at some point. I thought my marriage was going to fall apart. I thought my family was going to fall apart. I thought that everything was just over. It was just over. I had no more ideas. I was out of ideas. It was over. And God was gone. And so I remember standing in the shower, and I turned the water on almost as hot as it would go without scalding my skin because I just was so angry. I just I felt I just felt like I just wanted to feel that hot water because I was just so angry. And I just stood in the shower and I screamed. I was not calling out to God in any sort of a loving God's daughter kind of way. I was screaming at God, help us. Help us. Why aren't you helping us? Just standing there, just screaming till my throat was raw. Because I felt like he was gone and I didn't get it. But I want you to know that I can look back now and I can see his hands all over everything that we went through. And I can see it so differently than I did back then. And I can see that he was there and I can see the spots where he was now. And oh yeah, that was God and that was God and that was God. But at the time, everything was so heavy and the enemy had been in my head for so long, keeping me away from any sort of relationship with the Lord because I had all this anger that I couldn't see that at the time. It just felt like he was gone and he hated me and maybe he wasn't even real. So I want you to know that if you are in that place right now, he is there in the darkness with you. He absolutely is 1000%. I promise you. I promise you. So that is probably the most important mindset shift that we need to make. If we're thinking that God has abandoned us, he has not. Please know that. Even if it feels uncomfortable right now, and even if you feel distant from him because you do feel feel abandoned and you do feel let down by God, force yourself to open your Bible. Say a prayer. Do what you, do what you need to do to start moving closer, even if it feels uncomfortable right now because you are in that place that I just talked about. Just do it. He'll show up. He'll take your hand. I promise you. The fifth one is, I'm in this by myself. I'm an island. I have no one to support me. I have no one to help me. I remember being in this place too. And it was very, very lonely and isolating. And part of it, a lot of it was by choice. Not because I didn't think I needed support. I knew I did. I was drowning. But there was shame. There was guilt. There was um, stigma. I didn't feel like I could talk to anybody about it because of all of those things. But I also didn't feel like I could talk to anybody about it because no one would understand. As a matter of fact, I did try to talk to a couple of friends about it. And I got flippant responses like, well, he just needs to stop. I'm like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> We've talked about that actually a few times. Um, people just don't understand. They don't understand. If you have not been down this road and you have not walked this walk, you don't get it. You can't get it. 
And if you don't get it, you're not going to be able to, most of the time, offer very helpful advice. You know, like I'm sure my friend was very well-meaning, um, but she didn't understand. She didn't understand all the layers of everything that was happening in my household at that time. And I had not shared a lot with my parents because I didn't want my parents to think that my husband was a terrible person because he is a great person. He's a great, great person. That's why I married him. He just happened to succumb to addiction and it took him down for a long time. But I didn't really want to share all the all the ins and outs of that because I didn't want them to all of a sudden think that he was this terrible person and then kind of just have their view of him skewed forever, you know, so I I didn't really let them in. Here's the thing. They found out anyway, because everything exploded or imploded, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, And they asked me why I didn't give them the opportunity to support me through that. So you do have to find some people you trust to walk through this with you. And again, they probably won't understand but here's, here's the thing that I want you to think about before you start reaching out to people. You will get, if you're not careful who you share this with, you will get a lot of well-meaning advice that very possibly is not good advice for you. Because if you're just listening to this person over here who has their view of it and this person over here who has their view of it, and a lot of times when people love you and they're really close to you, they're going to kind of go into a little bit of a mama bear mode and automatically not really um, not really view the situation as a whole. They're just going to basically be like, well, you just need to do A, B, or C. And that may or may not be in line with what God wants you to do. It might be, but it might not be. And if you're going to humans, people, friends, family only as your source of advice, and they're people who have not been through it, and you're making your decisions based on what they tell you to do with their limited view of the situation, you could be making some grave mistakes because it may or may not be in line with what God is calling you to do in the situation. So you've really got to be in tune with that. You really do. Uh, you also need to really think about the fact that it is way more in your best interest to get some guidance from people who get it, from people who have been through it, from people who can help to lead you from that perspective, and also hopefully from a Christian or godly perspective, um, whether that be someone in your church that you know has gone through this. Maybe you have a friend who's gone through this that you know they can under- they will understand, <clears throat> excuse me, and you know that they won't sit in judgment, but they'll pray with you, and they will uh, encourage you to to lean into God and see where he's trying to take you through this. Whether you have, you know, some somebody like that in your life or somebody that you can think of or somebody that you can seek out, that's the person that I want you to try to get support from if you can. If you also want support from me, I would love to help you with that. I'm sure you know by now that I do have my membership, The Secret Sister Circle, and also my program, The Married to Addiction 30-Day Online Program. So if you feel like you don't really have a source for that, of course, you know, there's Al-Anon and there's different types of meetings and things too. Uh, that you can go to, but I just did want to 
of course, offer my help as well, because that's what God has called me to do, is to be the person that I was looking for back then, which was a person who had a Christian viewpoint, who was a Christian woman who could guide me uh, in, in that direction, and also had experience with an alcoholic husband. So I would love to help you with that if you need it. So those are the five, well, five more critical mindset shifts that the wife of an alcoholic needs to make. The first is I'm helping him. Got to change thinking like like that because it's just not true. The second is my happiness depends solely on my husband getting sober. The third, he's choosing alcohol over me. The fourth is that God has abandoned me or God's punishing me. And the fifth is I'm an island and I have no one to support me or help me through this. So if you have thought any of those things, are thinking any of those things, I hope that you found this helpful. Changing our mindset can change everything because like I talked about earlier, that is where everything else comes from. Everything else emanates from. It starts with what's in our heads. So doing some work in this area can really be a huge game changer, I promise you. So I hope that's been helpful. As always, thank you so much for listening and I will see you next time. Quick question for you before I let you go today. Have you been to the Married to Addiction website? If you haven't, I would love if you would go pay it a visit. It's just marriedtoaddiction.com. And over there, you can see um, just a lot of different information about my podcast. There is a blog on there. There's some free resources for you. And there's also a few ways that you can actually get some help if you need a little more help and direction and support as you travel this difficult path with your addicted husband. So if you haven't yet, please go visit marriedtoaddiction.com. Thanks so much.